This ripple won't fade. It'll grow and grow until it's a tidal wave. Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, everybody. Hello, Matt. Do you have an hour or 42 minutes so that we can talk about 4,722 hours or this episode, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 305? Pete, I have all the time in the world. Good, because this episode is brought to you by Drugstore Alcohol. Since 2001, the pure vinegary taste of astronauts everywhere. Yum, yum, yum. Now, Pete, last week we ended with the revelation, uh, Fitz, now I'm going to tell you a story. And uh, I guess with that, we get to hear the story. Let's head to the debrief. When we catch you up on what went down, our tease, Matt, begins not the week before, let me tell you a story, but instead six months ago, which strangely enough was three months ago when the season started, so three more months have passed. What? Yeah, not quite sure why they went that route. I was sitting there going, okay, middle of May, June, July, August, September. You know, I mean, it it, it might approach five months certainly not six but hey if you want to say it was six months ago more power to you well four four thousand seven hundred twenty two hours is closer to six and a half months i don't have an answer for that other than to say maybe it's a timey-wimey thing (sighs) blimey (laughs) so pete where were we four thousand seven hundred twenty two hours ago This was with Fitz telling uh, Gemma that uh, maybe they could go out to eat somewhere nice, which we've since seen, uh, before she was putting some things away and the Cree monolith alien portal swallowed her. And instead, we got to see what happened on the other side here as she was spat out into a blue landscape. No Fitz. No service on her cell phone. What the hell? This is as coarse as we've ever seen Gemma Simmons in an episode. Uh, And at zero hours here, she notices there are two moons on the horizon. So this is not Earth. Doesn't believe it could be possible. And then, Matt, in an episode, you know, very uncharacteristic, the most different episode that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has done in its two season and uh five episode run to this point in in 49 episodes right um very very different uh title card everything like that and uh very much like very reminiscent of losts of the other 48 days i thought yeah and i think that that is the the um comparison to make and one that is neither derivative nor nor mocking uh i would be shocked if this was not their attempt to do an episode like that to show the hidden history of you know what's gone on and to do it in one episode not over the course of months and months um it's it's just a really compelling start to it and the fact that they not only have this incredibly different title card which is which is shocking but go all the way through uh you know teaser act title card then straight into the the first act is um something that the show has done before but kind of usually there's some kind of break in the action and this is just a continuous story all the way through yeah so you know six hours here she starts keeping a log she talks about how this was an alien matter transportation device a portal here noting that the gravity is slightly stronger something we've seen discussed before the terrain is barren there's no vegetation or water starts taking pictures like any 20 something stranded in an alien landscape with a cell phone would at 13 hours she's using her phone to stare at Fitz's picture and uh, using his advice if you can't solve a problem sleep on it Uh, at 13 hours she wakes up at 22 hours startled by 
something uh, and begins to wonder just how long are the nights on this planet? 22 to 71 hours past. Where is the sun? And then comes that different title card there. So rather dramatic way to get us through the uh, the tease. It's it, it's at this point you were just describing that, you know, switch from 22 hours, you know, 16 hours to 22 to 71 where, I mean, it's kind of this, this you know, chopped up narrative presentation. It's these jump cuts. And, I mean, this, as has been said all week, this is an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. unlike any other. I like that they're comfortable enough in this, their, their 49th episode, to be um doing things so differently to just kind of really be mixing it up and uh i mean heaven help the person who was like you know let me check out that like bunch of normal people who get superhero bad guys or something show because you know this is this is an episode that works for the fans who've been watching all along and who who (laughs) aren't new to the table act one proper begins with Gemma taking off her necklace and uh arranging an arrow of rocks in the direction she's headed at 81 hours she's erected a rock pile uh with uh, the little symbol there that it's her at 87 hours she's she falls at 99 hours she's crawling to the top of a mountain she's now searching for water and sees what at the top, Matt? Pete, she sees the sandstorm there, of course, uh, approaching her. And this is an episode where things are just moving at such breakneck speed. You know, we have the, uh, we're five minutes into the episode. It's 99 hours that she's been there. And uh, again, just the episode really taking use of this uh, unique narrative presentation. Driven one hours. She's drinking water out of a crater. At 109 hours, she decides, hey, I'm going to float around in it. And suddenly there are bubbles. She's grabbed by a tentacle. Hail Hydra. <laughs> um, my initial reaction, especially with the, the blue color palette, the water that is probably meant to look a little suspect in normal light, you know, of course, looks, looks quite awful uh, in the blue light. That said... Quickly, I reminded myself, she has not had a drink of water in 101 hours. Uh, I think there's surely no room to complain. I think we all would have made the same decision. And frankly, how long are you going to sit there and look at that pool before you go, yeah, nothing's doing in there. Let me float in it. You know. So again, on the one hand, it kind of the speed at which it's presented, it comes off as a little you know, convenient for the story, but it holds up internally uh, with the facts that she's experiencing. At 111 hours, Matt, it's amazing what that passage of time will get you to do. She's now eating an alien life form. Um, And suddenly we have a massive jump forward, 492 hours, which is uh, in the narration explained to us as three weeks that she needs to eat some more. Uh, She wades out into that pool there and suddenly your dinner, biatch. I suspect that when one of those Hollywood glitterati reporters, you know, Entertainment Weekly or whatever it was, said it's the line of the season, that it, it was probably that. I wouldn't quite go that far, but certainly, uh, you know, nice, nice callback to a similar Fitz line. So she's made fire. She's eaten. She's burped here, all of which she records to tell Fitz in addition to telling him, you need to read my mind. Now, at 752 hours, she's suddenly recording uh, fewer updates. She says she needs to conserve the battery. That was a a big herring within this episode. She's now been on the planet a month, and uh, there's a sound. Suddenly, she finds herself uh, running, and she falls into a cave. And from her perspective, as Act 1 ends, Matt, we can see somebody roll something over the top of the cave and it's worth mentioning too that at this point we're about 10 11 minutes into the episode and because again of this unique presentation and the way action is cropping up mixed in with you know quiet moments of uh cooking plant monsters um 
we are still working through the credits uh, for this episode. So here we are, you know, one sixth through the the presentation time. We haven't taken a commercial break yet, so it's actually ten minutes out of forty two. So close to a quarter through the episode, and we're almost done. I'm sure it's by the end of this act that we complete uh, we complete the credits. But I, I, again, just this really unusual and wonderful presentation. As Act Two opens, we're now 761 hours in to Simmons' adventure on this planet here. She's now in a cage with torches around it and bowls inside it. And she asks the figure, who we've still not seen, uh, man, woman, face, etc., uh, what do you want? But she just can't seem to get a good glimpse of him. It's 783 hours um, suddenly get a voice that it is a male. Are you still here? Of course I'm still here. Um, she wants to be let out. At 824 hours, she's doing pull-ups and welcomes her captor back. How was your day? I'm Dr. Simmons. I came from Earth through the portal. Since you speak English, I'm thinking you did as well. And being served food here, she, the scientist, draws the hypothesis. Are you planning to eat me? Or are you going to fatten me up? And then a couple hours later, she's doubled over here. Oh, you've poisoned me when her captor opens up the cage to check on her and she makes her escape. Pete, the old the old game of playing sick prisoner. You know, it's an oldie but a goodie and it certainly works here. Uh, and part of the reason, Pete, as you mentioned, that she's so spry is that she's been doing these G.I. Jane pull-ups uh, to, to keep herself fit. So uh, I guess at this point, fit for fits, although whew, we'll be talking about that stuff in a little bit. We will, but this man here, uh, having been tricked by Simmons, remarks that she's definitely real. Uh, outside in the landscape, she falls, she hurts her leg. And she tells this man, you can kill me if you want. I'm not going to be your prisoner. He tells her that she's bleeding. It smells blood. I need to bring you back. So they get back to his cave. Uh, The question of what do you think is out there comes up. And he says death. But she talks about how this is a desert planet. It's barren, et cetera, et cetera. And he's going on about evil the whole god forsaken planet is evil ever the scientist simmons again this planet has rules and our male figure says no it has moods so pete what you're saying is that she's a woman of science and he's a man of faith possibly but uh he has a little science math because he strangely produces a first aid kit indeed it's right around this time that uh, he mentions his name is will probably because um the writers said we need to have a name (laughs) that shows that he has the desire to survive you know the will and they said yeah yes side note i would be curious to know the genesis of this episode um did somebody just pick pitch a wacky idea and they're like, this is great, this is totally unexpected, did they go for it? Were there financial considerations? You know, for yes, they went out in the desert and shot this, but it, there's no way it was as expensive as your standard episode with new sets being built, with old sets being lit, you know. Oh, gee whiz, that last shot was a little weird. Well, we're going to paint it all in blue anyway. Um, regardless, though, you know, it's a fun... Um, it's a fun place that we're at. And if this was, as somebody on Twitter said, a bottle episode, and later we have a bottle in the bottle episode, if if this was a cost-saving episode or a, you know, shoot two episodes at the same time to get ahead for the schedule, or if it was one of those behind-the-scenes, you know, studio-type things, it doesn't show it here. This doesn't feel like, you know, this isn't, oh, no, Will Riker, he's really sick. We have to do flashbacks in a clip show bottle episode matt i don't know that terminology they weren't in a bottle this was a portal episode ah pete 
you know what a bottle episode is. <laughs> We've been lauded by secret, secret Hollywood insiders for pointing out bottle episodes in other podcasts that we've done before the Fantastic Geek uh, era. Hashtag Alcatraz. Well, all this results in Will wanting to sew Gemma's mouth shut. Um, but he wasn't sure that she was real. And uh, as you mentioned before, the name comes out here. Um, she asks if he has any alcohol. And he says that, uh, yeah, he'll run right down to the drugstore to get it for you. And I thought that was a pretty arcane reference, Matt. To, to learn that he was only for t- from 2001, I was a little disappointed <laughs> to make a drugstore alcohol run reference. Pete, uh I agree. I think certainly here's what I suspect. And I don't have the name of the writer of this episode in front of me. I think that if you are, I, I, I don't know, let's say if you're in your, if you're in your twenties or younger, just the whole, and look, obviously drugs have all, you know, drug abuse and whatnot, drug, drug use has been bad for a long time, but just the, the, the name drug store and don't do drugs, you know, listen to your dare program don't do drugs that 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 has fallen into disrepair or or disrepute rather that term that said you know if you tell me oh the writer of this episode is 45 you know it's not like they're saying you know let me go down for a for an egg cream at the druggists (laughs) because i'm from the 2001 speaking of the years by the way pete um interesting you know telegraph to the audience when he goes what year are you from and she goes 2015 why and he goes oh i'm from 2001 and sima says wait that is 14 years ago that these computers are from from 14 years ago because 2015 minus 2001 with math is 14 it was just like yeah i get it if you just say 2001 ago uh, oh okay you know not i don't i didn't need it like explained like that's that's 14 years right the writer on this episode was craig titley who's actually done quite a bit of film um most notably the cheaper by the dozen movies and uh percy jackson and the olympians the lightning thief so this is somebody with some chops so so we'll excuse perhaps a, a little of the hand of the writer stuff, but at 853 hours here, um, the subject of Gemma Simmons degrees, her, her dual doctorates in biology and chemistry comes up that, uh, she is the first person he's seen in a long time, that time passage you mentioned about, and she comes to find out he is an astronaut, uh, having seen the helmet here and the rest of his equipment, but it's ancient, Okay, um, and it's hard to keep track there, he says. She'll see as we go to an act break. Act three, 855 hours in here. And uh, Will, the astronaut, is marveling at the technology of a smartphone here. That technology must have hit warp speed, Matt. This was a portion of the episode where I look at the clock and I'm like, 9.30. I felt that this act, which is a short act, I will grant you, in part because they have to make a, you know, they got to hit the commercial break thing. They got to make up for the fact that they didn't take a commercial break around, you know, the title card. I was just like, oh, this is a lot of exposition about his past. His past and his crew are all dead. Maybe he's gone stir crazy and killed him. Let's add that little mystery there. Um Again, just kind of felt like a really well. I mean, an episode that literally had had days go by with jump cuts. Right. We just are kind of caught in the mud here, just for a little bit, but we're caught in the mud. But come to find that 120 gigabytes on this little device here, and uh, he shares his technology, a map including a no-fly zone, Matt, which I thought was interesting given the fact neither of them can fly yet. I Whoa. Uh, I just assumed that that was, you know, to show he's a he's a, an astronaut, maybe Air Force guy. Um, in retrospect, I'm wondering, maybe the no-fly zone is also a metaphor for um, not, not doing the beast with two backs. The, um, the 
the the friend zone it, indeed the friend zone the no fly zone it's all connected uh or at least it will be later on in the episode boom um well the friend zone did exist in 2001 it just had not yet been christened the friend zone so maybe it was known by astronauts and pilots as the no fly zone ah yes we're even a wingman can't you help don't you. open your fly if you're in that zone <laughs> I think this is all clearly what we are meant to take directly from the episode. It's not even conjecture on our part. It's just it's it's just all there. By the way, Pete, just want to point out there they are in their kind of secret station with a map, a mysterious map, trying to avoid the smoke monster uh, in this uh, you know far off unknown where are we kind of place. So just I think this ABC was their drama. attempt. What's that? <laughs> On an ABC drama. On an ABC drama. I am for for a short time, I believe, on Tuesday night. Um, it may have in those, you know, in those strike strike stricken years, but we can hear but, more um, about that on another podcast. Back to this one with the phone in particular, as the battery was greatly the subject of this episode. Of course, Matt Fitz has engineered the smartphone battery to last longer, thus defeating the fact that it has gone longer in, in the history of any phone battery ever. 855 hours. <laughs> Shield can do this. If S.H.I.E.L.D. can do that, what kind of world do they live in? I mean, enough about Thor, for goodness sake. Bring that technology to me today. Enough about, you know, Battle of New York and aliens from another planet. Let's let's crank up that that battery power there. Right. But uh, Will was sent with NASA's best for the time. They have all the power they can use, Matt. But, of course, it's solar. Wah, wah. Hashtag ironic. Also, somewhat poor planning on NASA's part. I mean, not knowing what's on the other side. Plus, I'm just thinking, like, you have probes and whatnot that get sent out that cost, you know, mere hundreds of millions of dollars um, that are, you know, nuclear powered. Um, You know, some of the, you know, I mean, not like the, the rovers that we've sent out, but just, you know, some of those other things that, you know, check out the planets and whatnot. Our solar, our, our pardon me, our nuclear powered. Um, you can't stick a little plutonium in there and you know ha- have it run. You know it's it's got enough gigawatts and all that. A Mister Fusion, maybe, but we digress. There is some uh, some interesting stuff going on beneath the surface. He remarks that uh, there's a luminescent substrata. Um, Gemma remarks how it's warm, and he says that's because it's the fires of hell. But it's at this point in the story where we go through what happened with the whole team here. They thought it would probably be, it could potentially be a one-way trip. Um, and that uh, they they went through. Uh, you know, she explains that uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. now has this, that NASA doesn't have this monolith anymore. And um, through a flashback, we find that uh, it was his job to collect samples and, uh, you know, first uh, Austin threw himself off a cliff and then Brubaker set himself on fire. Third guy whose name I didn't get grabbed an axe and the isolation took over. But, you know, maybe it was Will that went mad. So we have one guy who's like the fire guy. We have somebody who used an axe and discovered that his skin was not rock hard. And then another guy who fell off a cliff and was was hurt because he wasn't rubbery enough. Um, Matt, I don't like what you're asserting here, that (laughs) that this was cribbed out of uh, one of the summer's worst movies. Again, I don't think it is disrespectful to this episode to say they hire professional writers. These people have been working on... This show, and not every writer on the show, but I mean, the show has been in production now for, you know, into its third year, uh, close to four since they shot the pilot. So to just sit and go, ah, hell, we got to do this bottle episode like out in the desert or whatever, something cheap, you know, deserty. Hey, let's do the Fantastic Four movie, but on S.H.I.E.L.D. and on, you know, a, 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 a 20th of the budget 
just for laughs. Can we do Fantastic Four? Can we make it the most sly of Fantastic Four references? <laughs> Look, if you're relying on a cost-saving episode, you ha- it always ups the writing. The, the best bottle episodes are the ones where you sit and go, hey, that was really great how it's, you know, Captain Picard playing Die Hard on a shutdown Enterprise. You know, I'm officially saying that there was maybe an intentional reference to the Fantastic Four movie. Well, at 1,400 hours here, they're now talking about food that they missed. Uh, He misses ice-cold beer. Simmons misses truffle fries, perhaps some wine, and that uh, certainly strikes a chord for us given uh, the last scene she shared with Fitz that wasn't her saying she needs to go back to this planet but uh on the subject of things that are not food that they miss he misses the sun and of course we know who simmons misses here indeed indeed because we know she's true when it comes to fits pete can you ever imagine her not being true to fits not at all and uh, it's at this point in the story where she uses this mega super duper Fitz battery to watch Matt. Fitz. Indeed. She's watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too. <laughs> yes. And it, it's the only time that uh, Clark Greggs Colson appears in the episode. And uh, great timing there. And, um, you know, they they had this birthday celebration for her. it's not clear when it happened but uh you know will remarks that uh fits is kind of simmons favorite word um she says good night to fits she says good night to will then we're 3000 hours deep two months of research and suddenly simmons wants to venture into this no fly zone He had been telling her it's too dangerous. And what do you know, Matt? Suddenly we're outside and she's sliding around. Yeah, I like that it it seems she is suddenly being, um, you know, like not following his rules, which, you know, all these stay true to fits jokes aside, you know, this is obviously an independent woman. Um, But it seems that she is completely ignoring his recommendation his dictum whatever you want to call it um then it seems a little unclear where she has ended up and and suddenly she's grabbing all sorts of stuff out of the uh out of the sand yeah from um probably dandy british man's sword and then a sexton um you know looking at the stars that's the answer she decides that uh she'll be able to triangulate position perhaps but uh, there's another storm. She runs from that. She finds skeletons. And then she is chased by a figure here. Um, and she's hurt when uh, we kind of intercut some previous footage from the uh, episode where she was seen hiding behind the rock there and uh, uh, making a weapon. Yeah, I kind of I kind of like how they do that and I kind of don't in that the initial presentation made it seem that it was all happening concurrently and and I doubt that um I I I doubt that that was, you know, that anything other was their intention. Um maybe it's kind of you know, maybe it's kind of uh, wishful retconning, uh, if you will, which if that's what they're doing, OK, that's perfectly fine. Um, if you didn't have the Simmons episode 110 percent locked script wise when you shot those scenes, you know, a couple episodes ago. Yeah. OK. I mean, welcome to network TV where you have to hit your deadline and you have to hit a deadline each week and all that. That's fine. Um, regardless, it plays in this episode as like, ooh, I, I didn't my understanding of events isn't completely as it was. And again, given that our biggest complaint in this episode is cell phone battery life. Sure. It works. She was preparing the weapon against, or she was putting mud on her cut to hide from the creepy black clad batty, um, several months ago. And that's separate from when she came back recently. Okay. That works. 
but she runs from whatever is chasing her or whatever she thinks is chasing her. Uh, she tells Will to open the door. It's coming uh, that you were right, Will, um, that she could have been killed. And she laments that he knew there were bones and uh, that you didn't tell me. But um, that thing could uh, has killed everything for centuries some talk of uh, sacrifice there, but suddenly she produces the sexton and she says, I know how to get us home as we end act three. Pete, so glad to see her back safe there in their hidey hole. I like uh, alien planet spider hole myself. Well, I, um, you know what, Pete, on that planet, the word for it means both things that we're saying now. Home. <laughs> With Act 4 now, the map, and what they've been able to figure out through the use of the sexton comes into play. Uh, they know where each of them entered the planet and that the portal uh, appears to move, but it, in reality, it is the planet that is moving. And that they track the stars long enough, they can predict where it will open again. But Matt, there's that battery again. If they're going to do it, they need to use astronaut solar equipment that can't use solar stuff. And it's goodbye, Fitz video. Really kind of a uh, emotional sacrifice. It certainly is. And... You know, the narrative conceit here of such a powerful phone battery to run all the physical moving elements of a 2001 computer. Okay, you know, uh, that's that's what they've given us. That's the fiction they've given us. We'll, we'll certainly run with it. But as you say there, Pete, the prospect of her her presumed last goodbye to Fitz at all, special emphasis on Fitz, uh, it certainly is a, uh, it's a touching moment. It is, but uh, all for the greater good here. At 3,140 hours, she's able to finally use this equipment, and that is when it starts, Matt, first with a hug. But it died. The battery, Matt, died. Other things are only getting started. Yes, um, but it's in a better place now, and... Uh, 18 days is uh, what they ha now have as a number here to the no-fly zone, two weeks. Uh, but, hey, Flyboy, you better figure it out. Kind of almost into the garbage chute, Flyboy, you might say. Yeah. But at 3,500 hours comes a story, Matt, about scoliosis. Pete. We have said so many times over all the different shows that we've podcasted, when you as a writer, because we know there are, there are hopeful writers out there listening, when you as a writer are stuck, guaranteed. When me as a, when me as a writer. <laughs> indeed. When, you, when, when anyone as a writer is stuck, you do the scoliosis dad science backstory. <laughs> it is de rigueur and here used with just perfect aplomb. This is how you do the scoliosis backstory. Um, added bonus that because it's scoliosis and backstory, you get wordplay there as well. I've never done the scoliosis dad backstory. Uh, I, I hope to avoid it. And here it's been done. So now it would clearly be plagiarism. But uh, she tells a story here about um, when she was uh, a child that she was on her back for weeks and uh, the stars became something that became very important to her and taking that experience and being able to move forward with it and here figuring out that the moons, the degree at which they are aligned, that there's an ebb and flow and that will uh, help them to figure out when and where the portal will open. And, uh, the astronaut has a grappling hook, which he's planning to shoot at the wall across the canyon, which is described, Matt, as not being all that far. Um, Indeed, their... a mere 30 meters, which yeah. uh, for us in the United States is um, some distance of distances. I'm going to say it's about 30 yards. 
uh, and continue to assume that yards are better than meters. <laughs> um, I'll take feet any day of the week. <laughs> I'll tell you this though, Pete. The image of them ziplining across the canyon, you know, um, perhaps as the blast door behind them slowly opens, uh, it's it, it is an enchanting one, calling back to the glory days of Hollywood. You know, the, those swashbuckling movies of the 1940s, etc. Yes. On the way to uh, shooting the grappling hook across the canyon, here they talk about what they're going to do when they get back i missed will's answer i was too caught up in the fact that simmons said she was going to uh, eat and shower simultaneously and probably fall asleep while she did it although will remarked that that would certainly be efficient we just want to remind all our listeners that you should not have a sandwich in the shower uh, it ruins the bread and uh, you may slip on any uh, luncheon meat which falls out and and hurt yourself so don't do that even though Simmons otherwise is a smart intelligent independent wonderful woman there's an interesting bit of exposition and really we can talk about it in level seven but he mentions that the geologist that had gone with them had a theory that this planet used to be a garden paradise a Garden of Eden, perhaps? Well, Been we know it ain't a by gar- death. We know it ain't a Garden of Eden, am I right? <laughs> uh, only if you want to eat plant monsters. Yeah. Um, but it's at this point that uh, they think they see something and they need to be ready. Uh, you know, this it that repeatedly has been uh, mentioned. And uh, he shows off for the first time. A handgun. Indeed, Pete. And we've talked a lot about Chekhov's gun. Here you have it. It's an actual gun, a gun with one bullet. Surely, Pete, that gun will have to be fired before the end of the episode. That's how Chekhov's gun works. But this is Will's gun, Matt. It's not Chekhov's gun. How awesome would it be if it's revealed that his last name was Chekhov? And then they're like, boom, we'll do a lost Fantastic Four Antonin Chekhov, Russian writer slash Star Trek reference episode. We're done. Well, you know, because Chekhov's never been on an alien sand planet before, right? True. And to bring it back full circle, had they not gone solar, but instead gone nuclear, maybe things would have been a little easier with the nuclear vessels. You never know. But uh, they miss their opening, Matt. They do not hit the portal. Um they're never going home. Uh, Simmons laments, maybe this is their home now. And uh, she says, this is hell. But he said, I used to think that. And then you showed up. And Matt, act four ends with a kiss. Indeed, she goes from sad to they're staring into each other's eyes. Then they smooch, oh my. And Pete, I don't know what happened during the commercial break. But we got something. We got to talk about something after the act break. It's act five, Matt. But what do we have to talk about? Pete, we have to talk about how act five opens with Simmons putting on her necklace. Pete, if she's putting it on, that means that she took it off. Pete, is this is this American Broadcasting Company TV code for she took a lot of things off? But she had previously taken the necklace off. So had she taken it off in the beginning of the episode, put it back on, and then taken it off again, I don't know. Pete, this is Jim Kirk two hours later. (laughs) He's in the very pretty ambassador lady's cabin, putting his boots on and preparing to leave. Uh, They done done did it, Pete. They they made Whoopi. Alien Whoopi. The subject as their you know, recovering from whatever uh, is that they're going to uh, to miss it if they don't hurry up here, that uh, it'll be another 18 years. And suddenly we're outside uh, toasting to the sun with horrible, pure vinegar that, you know, just needs to breathe. I had wondered if we were setting up a thing like, yay, the sun is finally coming. No, it burns. It burns us. 
Um, but they didn't in part because this is a scene, Pete, about how Simmons could use the vinegar wine with which to cook because Pete, much like the Jessica Jones show, both have hope. Wow. But uh, though this uh, vinegar that might have been used for cooking would have added flavor to their lives, Matt, their lives have taken on a different tone since the mist portal situation. Is that because, and, Pete, she has a new spark in her eye, the the spark of love? Uh, well, she does tell Will that uh, she thinks her dad would have liked him. And uh, sometimes you remind me of... Oh, look, a flare. It's in her eyes that we see it, too. It's representing yeah. both the inward and the outward. Yeah. And, of course, we know it's Fitz. They run. He tells her, you know, go just over the ridge. He says, Gemma, stop. He tells her to go. You can make it. No, I can't go without you. Um, and then the uh, astronaut um outfit shows up in what is either a real thing or a hallucination it's still not quite clear um will tells her not to trust it uh he grabs her tells her again to run and this is all very uh frantically shot with uh you know cuts and uh sand and smoke um and then suddenly it's in a voiceover with uh with Fitz in the present day that she doesn't know what happened, whether he's alive, whether he's dead. Um, but telling Fitz that she would have never survived without will. And Fitz takes a moment to, to process all of this. And, and we really do feel for this character in, in a way, you know, Jeff Loeb said it at a New York comic con that, you know, the first block of this season will just be a continual, number of sad events for Leo Fitz and you know this certainly drives it home um, but she she tells him talk to me Fitz you know uh, please uh, I need you to understand and back in the lab she asks him what are you doing and he tells her we're going to get back I love that interplay that we perhaps we the males in the audience I don't know or perhaps it extends to to the ladies as well but we are initially with Fitz going, yeah, that's right. You be all upset at her. And then it's, no, he's gotten up because he has a solution to the problem because he's also gentleman enough to be like, okay, fair is fair. You were trapped on an alien planet. Like th there's nothing unreasonable about her, her, you know, adult huggy kissy time, push the two cots together uh, thing that went on. And he's kind of man enough to, to admit that. So good on you, Fitz. Our tag scene is the uh, sun up on the alien planet with Will silhouetted against it, um, uncocks his gun. It appears to be empty. He throws it down, and suddenly, Matt, this planet, not with rules but moods, goes dark. An interesting note with which to end. I just kind of read it as, oh, it's the 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 bare, barest scientific, you know, fleeting moment uh, that gets sunshine. But uh, certainly we will be returning there and uh, the moods of this planet. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Matt will begin with first noted in my notes, guy, then beard guy, then will. Uh, is Will a villain? That is the question we are supposed to be asking ourselves. Uh, did he actually kill all the other people, so on and so forth? Look, if he has seen a uh, mysterious shrouded figure, and if Simmons has seen mis mysterious shrouded figure, I'm going to assume that that's not some sort of projection on his part. It is not the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man to his own uh, mental dalliances. I'm going to say... He he's eligible for dossier ability, but not uh, destined to stay there. I think the tag is interesting in that, you know, the gun was empty or appears to have been empty, assuming he hasn't 
shot it off since then or jammed or who knows what we've, we've missed obviously some passage of time where the sun has come up it would lead you to believe that the sun is up here and uh there's some connection between him and the planet where you know his his mood changes and it gets dark again see i find that so interesting as as was noted in the in the previous segment that was not the take i had and i'm not disagreeing it was just not my initial reaction um if he is the you know the little prince of this planet and everything else is kind of you know forbidden planet style you know coming from his subconscious or his conscious or it's you know reflecting his thoughts or you know kind of that sci-fi kind of stuff it certainly works um similarly i i kind of took it as you know he as i said earlier he just had these these couple of moments of sunshine um not that we were coming at the end of a lengthy sunshine period let's talk about it indeed what is it i i think that it was such a fantastic introduction of uh, the mysterious dark figure um you know kind of you know a little a little outside the realm for the show and in, in terms of a literal you know baddie in black and all of that but certainly works on this world uh that said where are we going with it it, it only becomes clear as the episode really starts to progress that this is a storyline we still are not done with you know i think back to simmons rescue and how dismissive i was that oh that she was gone for two episodes who cares well now we've gone back to it and my assumption was uh, you know, well, this will give us all the answers and still no. I have no idea where we're headed, but this black clad figure uh, certainly must factor into it. Are it and will one and the same is something I think we'll have to talk about in our level seven segment. Pete, I have a question for you, and this is uh, I'm sure our pal Donna will appreciate this when it seemed to take the form uh, of the spaceman suit. Was there a skeleton head inside? Uh, it was not shown, but do you think a skeleton head was shown inside, and therefore does it open up possibilities to all things in space and time? I don't know these scientific types of questions here, and they sound like they're posed by people who probably use the metric system. <laughs> Welcome to Level 7. Time to analyze and theorize it, Matt, is it will. I'm going to say no for a bunch of reasons, including I don't think it is the flavor of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to do that level of nuance. And I'm not being critical. I'm not saying the show is overly broad. It's just not the kind of twister ruse that it does. Um those are think, technical writer words there, tri- twister ruse. <laughs> absolutely. It's, you know, it's it's USC. That's all I can say. Yes. There's um, also the googly. <laughs> uh, indeed. Um, I, I, to me, I just think, A, it's a little too obvious, and B, I, I suspect that they're headed towards something you know, something larger. They're taking the first step into a larger world. Um, what that is, I don't know, but they are committing to this storyline um, more than I thought that they would. So I think that to, to do that kind of, and he got there and the planet patched him up and made him one with the planet. I mean, side note, that is the plot of the Fantastic Four movie, that the bad guy and the planet kind of merge into some sort of symbiosis. Um Listen, Matt, we're not trying to take our viewers to really harsh realms today <laughs> that make them feel like they spent more hours there than they actually did. I am going to reverse everything I just said. I'm going to I'm going to repeat, re-strengthen my commitment to the idea that they're doing a slight t- uh, tongue-in-cheek retelling of the fantastic four movie i'm gonna say the bad guy is will because that's the way it was in the fantastic four movie and i think the talker on the writer's room with jeff Loeb there <laughs> egging them on was like yeah let's 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 do it better than that we're not big get- <laughs> piece of <laughs> you know those, what movie we'll, those those rights back anytime soon let's like get- like like we'll do boring alien planet but we're gonna do it with characters that people bleep and care about so i'm gonna say yes the 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 figure in black is will through some sort of mental reflection, astral projection thing. 
Well, let's let's go even deeper, Matt. Is Will really of Earth? Um, though he mentions ice cold beer and drugstores and knows the year that whoever uh, in the astronaut group arrived there. That's not information that couldn't have been gleaned from whoever he could have killed when they came through and that he seems to be connected to this environment. Uh, I don't know. So Pete, you're saying that he wasn't on the manifest. He might not have been on the manifest. I am. Listen, longtime listeners, you know, I might think I'm overly pushing the lost thing here. I, here's what I, here's my head cannon for the real world. They decided to do, you know, they, they had Jeff Loeb in the writer's room. They had a couple beers. They were talking about, you know, his time on Lost. And he was like, oh, screw them. Uh, just because they won Emmys and whatnot. We could do it better. Okay, so let's do an episode of Lost. Okay, let's do an episode from the second season of, of Lost, of which Jeff Loeb was a part. Okay, hey, uh, what if we did Lost meets Fantastic Four? Yeah, we'll kill two birds with one stone in our money-saving episodes. Let's kill three birds with one stone. Go do it, guys. Jeff Loeb, peace out. I don't know. I'm telling you, that's where that's where it's at. He is he is an other who <laughs> lives on this planet of the Fantastic Four, Doctor Doom merge and help each other symbiotically thing. That's I'm I'm being one hundred percent serious. I'm committing to that theory. Well, given that I had to prompt you to change it around, <laughs> don't I get credit for the theory? Well, no, I'm saying I'm committing to the theory. I'm not claiming authorship. I'm saying I oh, okay, full-on okay. commit. You've changed my mind, Pete. <laughs> there you go. Well, let's let's talk about change of, of minds, Matt. Change of hearts. Um, did Simmons cheat on Fitz? Um, I, I say no. Here's why. A, they were not already in an existing relationship. B... They had agreed, however, counterpoint, they had agreed to their first date. Well, see, now that's interesting. I, I wish so much and have wished in the past uh, that, that we could have uh, our pal Ian in the UK on the podcast. I know there's some some technical issues on the other side of the pond which preclude that. Here would be my question to him, and, and I'll, I'll try and tweet it in the morning. And oftentimes he listens before, you know, he listens very quickly. Mysterious how quickly he gets those episodes, by the way. Um, is, you know, in that understated British stiff upper lip, not quite show your emotions way, is going to get dinner? Is that how they say, you know, is that their version of going steady? You know, we'll take the lift up to the boot in the lorry and get some dinner. Are they now English married? I don't know. Um, <laughs> joking aside, though, I mean, look, I, I, I'm I'm gonna hit in all sincerity here. I'm gonna hit like the girl power thing hard here in terms of no, a she was not in a relationship, so she had nobody to be true to. Second of all, even if she was in a relationship, y you know, the, the, the heart can move on, and the thought that you are you know, light years away from home, to me, that's enough of an outsy, even if, you know, even if Fitz did like it enough to put a ring on it, which he didn't, she now is so far from, from the rings of Saturn that it, to me, it's just, she did what she had to do, which was take her necklace off and have, um, unclothed kissy time. Well, here's what we're going to do because I deployed a poll on Twitter right after this happened. Uh, did Simmons cheat on Fitz? I'm going to give you the results and then we're going to read people's particular reactions in our um, decrypted transmissions segment immediately after. So as of this recording, uh, about an hour and 15 minutes after the end of the show, through 86 votes, Matt, which has closed the gap, it was bigger uh, 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 before, um, the respondents have said, uh, that Simmons cheating on fits the two choices. One, absolutely. Uh, the second alien planet, no foul currently Matt alien planet, no foul leads with 66% of 86 votes, 34% for absolutely. It was a far bigger margin that has closed. Pete, let me put it to you this way. 
not even to you. Let me address the listeners directly. Listeners, if the gender you prefer is like that of Will, wouldn't you? And if the gender that you prefer <laughs> is that of Simmons, and you were, you know, literally the only two people on the planet, at least the only two human people, wouldn't you? Because that's what it boils down to. Wouldn't you make that emotional decision? Wouldn't you make that physical decision? Um, I, I agree. No foul. Uh, Matt, I'm a romantic and I'm disappointed. You commit your heart. You commit it truly. Simmons cheated. Pete. And apparently with the bad guy. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Open the mailbag, Matt. Let's check the wire. And I'm the one holding the mailbag and the wire teased in the previous segment that we would look at what people responded here uh elise at the fobonacci uh said this is amazing hashtag we love Gemma." um joel ranger said whoa intergalactic friend zoning charlie esner uh said what happens on ego stays on ego uh, I'm 23. That's at Meandris. Said merely, "Damn it!" And then I blame myself. I think that was more so uh, running across things on our timeline <laughs> that we were <laughs> tweeting about the show. Um, and then uh, Jake Wood at Bo Staff Turtle uh, said, "Stop." <laughs> well, fair enough then. Uh, certainly, always great to hear from uh, to hear from fans of the show. Pete, what else is in the old mailbag tonight? Well, via our Facebook page, Robert T. Frost, uh, prior to the episode, had written in. He writes, Monday Night Musings, Tuesday morning. I'm not very familiar with the comic background for some of these organizations and characters, but here it goes. We have an uneasy alliance between S.H.I.E.L.D. and the ATCU. Rosalind seems very intent in getting Daisy under her control and every other inhuman. What if the ATCU is actually recruiting for secret warriors and S.H.I.E.L.D. is just trying to protect them? Rosalind's statement an episode or two ago about having strong-powered people already started me thinking. Thoughts? I think it's a great theory, and I think that Part of what is so uh, charming about uh, Rosalind and her group, which I'm just giving up on doing the initials because my brain is rejecting it. Um, <laughs> but Rosalind and her, and her group, part of what's so great about it, as I've mentioned before, is there's this tension where they're sometimes friends, sometimes enemies. Um, they're, they're working together, but they don't trust each other. So it can it can go in all sorts of directions without it being here is the anti shield again. Pete, what do you think about his theory? I think uh, that's not really addressed in this episode, and we're just going to have to wait for a little bit. Ooh, they, they make us wait. Jeff Loeb, you have made <laughs> season two of Lost again in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You've done what you swore not to do. Another Facebook friend slash liker. Uh, prior to the episode, Matt, uh, by a wide margin, had written this in, responded to our post about tonight's uh, episode and what was coming with Simmons' story on the alien planet, Greg Olenti wrote in, I hate to think this, but I wonder if she met someone there and fell in love. Three question marks. Good this was job, 11 Greg. 11 hours ago that this was sent. So it, it, we're in the 11 o'clock hour. All right. So at noon today, that was sent. Good job, Greg. If okay. you have any numbers that you'd like to recommend for for <laughs> the lotto, just feel free to uh, you know what email fantasticgeekgmail.com, skip Pete and the Facebook page entirely. And uh, in the last hour, Greg has replied to his own post on our Facebook page and wrote, "Sorry, didn't mean to be spoiler Greg there. That's <laughs> that's not a thing, Greg. Spoiler Greg doesn't exist. Okay." Spoiler Pete, yes. Spoiler Greg, not so much. A broken clock is right once every three seasons or so, he says. So thank you, Greg, for uh, predicting that and uh, pretty spot-on prediction. But I, I think given 
are uncertainties and uh, my ability to change Matt's mind about Will, uh, we'll just have to see what's going on there. Good homework there, Greg. Putting the putting the pieces together. Predictions made up of uh, you know details on screen and prior knowledge. And if we know anything else, uh, if you're gonna you know if you're gonna search for an explanation for why a romantic dinner isn't working, well, TV prior knowledge tells you if there was somebody else out there, that would be uh, that would be the answer. And Pete, speaking of other people being out there looking for answers, how can people find answers out there on the Twitter interacting with you, Seamless Transition? (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-6000. Five hundred seventy-four followers can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast in a variety of ways. We are Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with a PH. You can find us under the name Fantastic Geek on the Gmail, the dot com, and the Twitter. But wait, Pete, you mentioned Facebook, but there's still more. Yes, Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek. PH spelling all one word. We've had a flurry of likes in the past couple of days, uh, and this activity just continues. So you're going to want to be a part of it, and particularly given the giveaway that we're having in this fall block of episodes. Bum, bum, bum. Well, that Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners all around the world and give you the final word. I'll never let go, Fitz. Oh, look. A guy. <laughs>